Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. We live in a world where the news is at our fingertips where we're one click or swipe away from the latest headlines. But how often do we stop swiping and scrolling and just listen? It's the difference between knowing what's in the headlines and understanding how it got there. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take, Al Jazeera's daily news podcast, where we bring you the context and the people behind the global stories that matter. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Summer Camp, Camp Turnasol. This is French camp for your kids in the GTA. Tens of thousands of kids aged 4 to 14 go to one of the 17 day camp campuses in the GTA. They've got an overnight camp in Bracebridge, a 13-day trip to Quebec. This is for kids at all levels of French. Fun day camp and overnight experience, and they'll develop their French through experiential learning, not through classroom lessons. Watch your kids' French skills skyrocket over the summer at Camp Turnasol. Go to Camp t.ca and use the promo code CanadaLand to get 20 bucks off. And this episode is brought to you by Lyft. The fastest growing rideshare company in the USA is now here. Also Toronto and the GTA listeners from Hamilton to Oshawa from Harborfront to Richmond Hill can now download the Lyft app and ride in just minutes. Lyft is preferred by drivers and passengers for its safe and friendly experience. Go to lyft.com slash invite slash CanadaLand. You'll get $15 off of your first ride. That's like a free ride. Lift with a Y dot com slash invite slash Canada land offer code Canada land terms and conditions apply. Joey Coleman crowdfunded journalist for the public record.ca in Hamilton. Welcome back to the show. You are in the middle of a crowdfunding campaign. Where can people go to support you? So if they go to the publicrecord.ca and they could join my press club, which is what I've branded my monthly support system, and they can sign up to support Canada's first local crowdfunded news site and help me to become sustainable and grow. If you live in Hamilton, this is a reporter who's looking out for you. If you live somewhere else and you want to see a local news model that works and you want to support that, then go and do what this man says. Joey, welcome back. Today we are going to talk about peak batshit. We have reached peak batshit here in the province of Ontario in this absurd election. My God. My God. God. Joey, we're also going to talk about an emotionally bruised Justin Trudeau kicking Donald Trump where it hurts the most, right in the CNN. Good to have you back. It's good to be back. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Jane Shee, Deanna Spence, Lorenzo Nicolette, Lauren Dingwall, 
Patrick McBride, Lauren Douglas, Dan Gaston, and Harriet Pierce. I support Canadaland because you have interesting guests and interesting conversation. This episode is also brought to people by Hover. Joe, you know what it's like when you're launching an idea. You gotta go get the domain. You gotta find out if the domain's available. You gotta go check it out. You gotta park it with a good domain provider. Yes, and Hover, I'm wearing Hover socks right now. I used Hover this weekend. And I've got to say, it's a great interface, very easy to use. And I had an idea, which was, I now own jessebrown.me. So Canada Land listeners, let me know where that domain should redirect, and I'll put it a redirect for you. What? All right. <laughs> Excellent. The man wearing hover socks has bought jessebrown.me. Uh, I didn't hear anything but that. Okay. Hover is a good place to get a domain from because they don't upsell you and they got good support and they help you find the domain that you want. Apparently they also have socks and apparently uh, Joey Coleman is squatting on my domain. Go and check out hover.com slash CanadaLand and you'll get 10% off of your first purchase. Joey, did you use a CanadaLand discount code to steal my domain from me? I used a discount code from WordCamp, but uh, the next domain I squat on, I will use the CanadaLand discount code. That's great to know. Hover.com slash CanadaLand. Joey, I know that you read the Toronto Sun diligently. Have you read the news in the Toronto Sun on the cover of the Toronto Sun? They have been doing the journalism, my friend. They have been vetting the candidates, you know, just the NDP candidates, these would-be members of provincial parliament, and they have found a loopy one. On the cover of the Toronto Sun, NDP candidate found loopy, another loopy candidate I am so glad the Toronto Sun is finding these problematic NDP candidates and doing the vetting that the party is not. There was just one problem with that story. The NDP candidate in question, Gail Vaz Oxlade, not actually an NDP candidate. Well, you know, they had to have something on the cover that day to distract from the latest Doug Ford story. Well, to be fair, they broke the latest Doug Ford story, which I want to talk with you about later. There's a, sort of an unlikely place to break this story of uh, Renata Ford's lawsuit against Doug Ford, but I believe the Sun had it very first. I don't want to harp on somebody's simple human error. They're absolutely humiliating error of like, I can't believe that they put on the cover of their newspaper. And it wasn't Sue Ann Levy, the author of the piece in question. She was not confused that Gail Vaz Oxlade was an NDP candidate and not just a, a critic of Doug Ford. Uh, it was whoever wrote that headline. And then it appeared again inside the Toronto Sun that this is a candidate. Tiny correction. You know, the error goes on the on the cover of the newspaper. The correction is uh, doesn't get as much attention. Oh, well, mistakes happen. Meanwhile, an 81-year-old conservative candidate, the sitting member of provincial parliament, Raymond Cho, was out campaigning as one does on the grounds of a public school, which happens to be illegal, when he got into a physical altercation with a seventh grade student who was allegedly ripping down his flyers. Apologizing for this physical altercation, the 81-year-old Raymond Cho says, I was asking him to pick up my flyer, and while I was doing so, I lightly touched his head, for which I apologize. That doesn't sound so bad at all, does he? Lightly touched his head. That almost that's, that feels like an affectionate grandfatherly pat, as I picture this going down. Is <laughs> did you read that one, Joey? I've uh, I read that and I smiled. As uh, you may recall, I was gently moved by a Hamilton City Councilor. And the thing I like 
of all the crazy stories that have come out in this election, the idea that a sitting member of provincial parliament has any contact whatsoever with a seven-year-old, I don't care if it's gentle or not, it just, it's mind-boggling. Fake news, fake, a seventh-grade student, this young punk knew what he was doing, is in junior high, not seven years old. I think if you are an 81-year-old politician illegally campaigning on school grounds and some young punk is ripping down your campaign material, swat him one on the noggin. Go for it. My God. No, I don't mean to make light of this. I know that uh, an elected official roughed you up as you were doing your job as a journalist. This is unconscionable. This is almost as bad as a candidate who is not a candidate saying loopy things. What? Joey. Joey. Whatever happened to the appearance of scandal was scandal enough for a politician that they would go out of their way to even have the slightest appearance of something wrong, let alone now where... You just have politicians just flat out saying, yeah, fake news. We've gone way past that, my friend. We are we are just launched into the stratosphere very far past that. We're in Doug Ford territory. Let's play this one. There is breaking news involving Doug Ford tonight. The PC leader is denying allegations leveled against him by his late brother's widow, Renata Ford. They allege that Doug has deprived them of millions of dollars, including shares in the family company even a life insurance policy. In the suit filed on Friday, Renata Ford also accuses Doug Ford of being negligent in managing the family company called Deco Labels. And she goes on to claim that his financial decisions have led to a steady drop in its value. These statements are false. They're without merit. They'll be proven in court. And we just can't, can't figure out, you know, where this came from. You know, we just can't figure it out. I'll let the people decide. He can't fit. Where is this coming from? From his sister-in-law, who has mortgaged her house like three times, and it's now for sale. Where is it coming from? He also says that she's been threatening to do this for months, but he's shocked. Where is this coming from? Joey, who among us, who among us can say that they did not run our family business into the ground and looted the estate of our dead brother in order to screw over our own niece, nephew, and widowed sister-in-law out of their inheritance? Who among us can cast cast aspersions on Doug Ford? A perfectly normal qualification for being Premier of Ontario is running the family business into the ground, apparently. Let's look at the reporting of this story. It was the Toronto Sun. I mean, we published this internal document from Sun Management that they had a predetermined agenda to essentially act as a campaign wing, as a propaganda wing of the Doug Ford campaign. They had, they knew what stories they were going to come at. They knew how they were going to hammer the liberals. They implicated their reporters in their predetermined plan. It is no shocking surprise, and I won't feign surprise, that the Toronto Sun has been campaigning for Doug Ford throughout this. It was a surprise to me that the first news organ to break word of this lawsuit against Doug Ford by Rob Ford's widow was the Toronto Sun. And, uh, you know, I think we figured out a little bit about how that happened, not to take away from the fact that there is some level of credit that must be given that, like, at least when it came down. But the thing is, they didn't have a choice, right? Here's what we think happened. Jonathan Goldsby here looked at the Toronto Star report that came out very shortly after the Sun report and noticed that it was the level of detail was much greater. And it was evident to him that the Star had knowledge of this lawsuit 
for a greater period of time than the sun, which put out this very hastily written report with typos in it from uh, actually an executive at the sun wrote this, uh, this breaking news story. And what it seems to us happened is that the story was about to break from the star and it was leaked to the sun. The sun then had a, a decision to make. They obviously can't bury the story because the star is going to publish it, but they do have an opportunity to scoop the star. So they go ahead and break the news. And the interesting fallout of that is that because the Sun broke the story of this lawsuit, the Sun was not available to Doug Ford as a place to go and get his side of it across. Like if the star had broken it, the usual playbook would be this, you know, Kevin Donovan at the star breaks this very, very damaging story to Doug Ford. And then Ford turns around and, you know, calls up Joe Warmington or whoever at the sun and, and, you know, gets a very friendly interview for his side of it. But he was deprived of that. By the time people hear this, it might not matter. I mean, like we're recording on Wednesday, tomorrow people vote tomorrow being the day that everyone's listening to this. And uh, depending on when you listen to this, Doug Ford's probably premier. I think that that's a likelihood if we're going based upon the polls. But my feeling here in Hamilton, both in the city and out in the suburbs, and the suburbs are traditional conservative territory, is the electorate is going to decide when they hit that ballot box. I think that, you know, polls are giving us a good indication of the strength of the NDP, but I don't know if the polls are going to give us that final count, because I think a lot of people are going to be making their decision when they're standing in the polling booth, not before. I think so. I guess I wonder that kind of aspect of the vote that the polls can't reflect, those late-minute decision changes, the kind of things that you do in private. I suspect that'll favor Ford more than Horvath. But but let's talk about the polls. Let's talk about Doug Ford's accusation in his uh, mailer to his base to his party members, familiar territory, I'm the underdog, I'm the victim of the media. They don't want us to win, he wrote, accusing the media and pollsters of ganging up against him. Now, on the one, this has been widely ridiculed. Pollsters, of course, have a very, very strong incentive to get things right. And the idea that they're pushing favorable NDP polls over the truth would be them acting directly against their interest. Also, the idea that they're actually colluding with the media to portray, as we've seen story after story of uh, the NDP surging, the NDP gaining on the conservatives, the idea that that's like some kind of conspiracy against Doug Ford, I think is laughable. But I'm going to stand up for Doug Ford here. I actually think that, that when he says that the reporting on the polls of this NDP surge is unfair to him, he's kind of right. Because, Joey, I feel like what the headlines have been focusing on is the popular vote, that the NDP has been catching up to the Tories in the popular vote. Who gives a shit about the popular vote? We don't determine this by the popular vote. Those same polls, if the media had decided to focus on a different aspect of them, like the part of them that actually will determine who forms government, would consistently show either a minority or a majority win for the Ontario Progressive Conservatives. So isn't he right that the media has been kind of like inflating the idea that the NDP is caught up to him or overtaken him? He's taken advantage of the fact that the media has engaged in horse race coverage. Polls provide a nice daily, something that the media sees as objective to put the news peg onto each day. Every major media site has their poll tracker that you can watch the polls moving up and down. And when he's communicating that the media is against him and they're reflecting polls. He's taking advantage of a feeling that exists in many of the writings where the conservatives are expected to win, which is your rural and suburban Ontario, where they no longer have a local newspaper. They no longer have a local newsroom, plural newsroom. Metroland may have one or two reporters in each community and a flyer wrapper that comes out each week. 
and that's not to take away from the work of those one or two reporters. But with the loss of local news, provincial coverage in Ontario is Toronto coverage repackaged into the Metroland papers across the province. What he's doing is he's saying to people in these communities, these people aren't paying attention to the issues that matter to you. When was the last time they were ever in your neighborhood? And I will use Bimbrook here in Hamilton. I went to Bimbrook for the first time in years yesterday for something unrelated to Bimbrook. So myself, I am part of that challenge. And he can say, when was the last time a journalist cared about the issues in your neighborhood? All they care about is talking about the polls and the talking panels. And that plays to the base, that plays to the sense of alienation that many in Ontario feel from Toronto. It's sort of a contradictory complaint that the media is terrible and the media has disappeared. It's like this food is awful and the portions are so small. You know, like if you hate the media, so anyhow, on the one hand, it's sort of like, you know, kicking you when you're down, like making the media your target when the media is in such rough shape. But obviously this this is an old story. It works. He's very effectively like he shut out the media in a way that like that is not going to get much sympathy that he shut out the media. People cheer on that he turns his back on us. The fact that like he won't even put out a plan. I don't know. This is all, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I have to be amused by this stuff because otherwise I just get depressed. And you know, the whiplash of the revelations in the final days of this crazy election, I'm going to have postpartum depression no matter what after this is done. By the time people are, are, are listening to this, I will be curled up in the corner in the fetal position. It's just too much. It's too much. The interesting thing I'm finding is that people want high-quality media that they feel connected to to help them make sense of the chaos of this election. When I go out into the suburbs of Hamilton last week, the number one question I'm getting from people is, who are you voting for? Why? Who should I vote for? And I have to tell people, I unfortunately cover Hamilton City Hall. I'm not covering Queen's Park. But what I get a sense of is that there's a real hunger for a revived news media. So I would suggest to you that right now people are complaining about the restaurant because the food sucks, but they're still looking to eat somewhere and they're waiting for somebody to create that good restaurant. Joey Coleman, you know shortcuts. We note things duly. What do you got? So I want to duly note uh, a recent panel at the uh, Radio Television Digital News Association conference, and you can view this online, where Catherine Bradbury the editor-in-chief of Metro Newspapers, was speaking on a panel about the resurgence of local news. And the panel, of course, was executives who long ago left local news but oversee local news. And during the panel, she discussed the fact that they watch their metrics very closely. And she stated that they're going to do the types of stories people want to read over the 5,000-word analysis of City Hall. Yeah, if data tells you that uh, people are much, one of the things we find is that people are really interested in uh, local stories about people, uh, the little guy who gets wronged, who uh, uh, we help, um, or, or they help themselves, or the community helps them, that story gets a lot more traction than a 5,000 word analysis piece on c City Hall. It's really? so, so yes, we, we will adjust in, in, in that way. And this frustrates me greatly because I hear a lot from her company about the need for a news bailout because the news is such a public good, it needs to be bailed out by the federal government. Yet, what I'm hearing there is we're going to focus on the stories that generate interest, not the stories that necessarily matter. And if they want a government bailout, 
They need to prove to me as a taxpayer that that bailout is of good value to me. And don't get me wrong, I like reading the feel-good stories too. But a bailout to me is going to be, you're going to be at City Hall holding them to account. You're going to be at boards, commissions, agencies. You're going to do the work that needs to get done because there is no commercial viability to it. Duly noted. I want to duly note the screaming debates between various Jordan Peterson fanboys on Reddit. Um, Why am I alerting your attention towards that? That's always happening. It's actually the fallout to a piece of journalism we published last week. Uh, Our own editor, Jonathan Goldsby, spent weeks on this story where, you know, uh, and I'm sorry, everyone's done with Jordan Peterson, but we had one more. We had one more because uh, we had a patient of his come forward with uh, a story of how his fame impacted her treatment. And because Peterson invokes his clinical practice and invokes his patients and and sometimes tells, I would say, maybe too much about his patients in his own public commentary, hearing that from the patient's point of view seemed to be absolutely interesting and newsworthy to us. And so we did this story, which, uh, you know, as it revealed itself to us, was clearly not a scandal or, or any kind of a takedown, but was really an interesting look at what happens when you're in therapy with somebody who becomes this unprecedented internet phenomenon and how that impacts uh, your treatment. Peterson threatened us with a lawsuit. If we published it, we published it anyhow. Maybe he'll sue us. I don't know. What I want to bring up here is that like, as soon as the piece is published, like before there's even time to read it, it's a rather long piece. Peterson's fans are online saying, this is nothing. You got nothing. It's a nothing burger. And after they kind of like high-fived each other and retweeted each other on that a few times, a couple of dissenting voices came into the mix saying like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there were some possible privacy violations here. And you know, like if I was in a vulnerable place with my therapist and they were went on TV telling me they were too sick to see me, but they went on TV instead. And why, why was he showing up at the place where she worked again and again? You know, she told him not to come. You know, maybe he, it probably wasn't on purpose, but if he'd been paying more attention, maybe he wouldn't have done that. And then what kind of proceeded from there was like this Jordan Peterson Defense Club became kind of like a conversation about the ethics of the practice of psychology, which was an unexpected outcome and actually a very desirable outcome of this piece that uh, Jonathan Goldsby wrote. So check out the piece and check out the responses to it. And uh, you'll find Jonathan's piece on our website and you'll find Reddit stuff uh, on Reddit. Duly noted. Oh, and Joey, I wanted to throw in one more just to note something that was covered on As It Happens that people should pay attention to. You know, there was this seminal book, Half Breed, that was uh, this memoir by Maria Campbell that was published years ago in 1971 by McClellan and Stewart about her experience being Métis. And As It Happens had this amazing story about how uh, going through the old files of McClellan and Stewart, it was discovered that two pages had been removed from this book, two pages depicting the rape that Maria Campbell experienced, that she survived, at the hands of RCMP officers. This was censored from her original manuscript. And I just want to note that, like, it feels like the way that Canada has been coming to terms with things like the 60s scoop in residential schools and all of the abuses, like, that feels like, I would say, like, oh, it's, it's been, like, five years, like, maybe 10 years that we've recognized that that's happened. And you can almost get the feeling that we've just, like, discovered that that stuff happened very recently. Canadians knew. Canadians knew that this was going on. Canadians knew about the arts. People knew. McClellan and Stewart knew. If you cared to know, it was there to know. And that's that's what I want to point out as well. Duly noted. This episode is brought to you by AG1. Listen, taking care of your health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple. That is why for months now, I start every day by drinking AG1. I take a scoop of this green powder, I mix it in a canister with water, shake it up, and I drink it. I get hydrated and I get energized and focused and ready to take on the day knowing that I have vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. These are things that science tells us we need. They are also things that I don't necessarily get every day 
outside of my AG1. Listen, if there's one product that I'm going to recommend that will help you elevate your health, it's AG1. And that is why I have been partnered up with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try it now and you'll get a free welcome kit that includes a shaker bottle, canister, a metal scoop, along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. That is drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. Joey, I'm going to thank our second sponsor, a new sponsor, Rover.com. Rover.com. What is this for? This is for dog owners. If you need dog walkers, pet sitting, home dog boarding, daycare for your pet, Rover makes it easier to own a pet. It connects pet parents with dog people who will treat their pets like family. And they only accept like 20% of the people who want to be caregivers to pets. And they're making life a lot easier for dog owners. And they're making my life harder because I am under daily pressure to get a dog. I have two small kids. My wife grew up with dogs. I've never owned a dog. I don't want a dog. I just got out of having babies around. Like, I don't want a dog. And my my go-to excuse is like, it's just too hard. We can't go on vacation. We'll constantly be bothering friends and family to sit for this hypothetical dog that I don't want anyhow. And now... Now there's Rover.com and they're making it easier and affordable and you can trust these. I'm out one excuse. I have one less excuse for not getting a dog. I think jessebrown.me will be pointing to why you need to get a dog. Everyone is against me. Go to Rover.com slash CanadaLand and you'll get $25 off of your first booking with Rover.com when you use the promo code CanadaLand. 25 bucks towards dog walking doggy daycare, whatever it is you might want, you people who enjoy the presence of dogs at rover.com slash Canada Land. Well, it is on. The one thing the Trudeau government has done everything to avoid since Donald Trump became president, a trade war. Justin Trudeau, obviously, I mean, these are the U.S.'s good, good friends. Yeah. Your reaction felt as if you felt jilted, as if you felt like Canada got, like, wait a minute, we've done all these things for the United States over the years, and this is how you treat us. You felt, it came across as if you felt as if, you, you felt as if Canada was being taken advantage of. Do you really believe that Canada, that your NATO allies represent a national security threat to you? And, and that's why the Prime Minister said it is frankly insulting. And I would just say to all of Canada's American friends, and there are so many, seriously? Seriously, guys? I thought we were friends, said Christia Freeland on CNN. Seriously? And there was there was Justin Trudeau on Meet the Press. And they said, Justin, you sound jilted. You sound surprised and hurt that Donald Trump has done this to you. What did they think Donald Trump was like? All the time that they were playing nice. It's like, Justin's like, but I went to the play. I went to come from away with your daughter. And, and Jerry Butts like shook Steve Bannon's hand. And, you know, when you said all that stuff about African countries being shitholes and you said that there were both sides in Charlottesville, I kept my mouth shut. And, you know, and now you're coming after me. This time it's personal, Joey. That's what the media's got his back. The Globe and Mail's editorial. This time it's personal. Donald Trump's erratic and irresponsible decision to impose tariffs on Canadian steel and aluminum is an attack so hurtful as to be incomprehensible. We can't even comprehend what Trump is doing. Do you buy this this pearl clutching, this like supposed surprise? Like, what did they think Donald Trump was going to do? Who knows what Donald Trump's going to do? You have to check his Twitter to find out. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. It's exactly what he said he was going to do. 
And we keep acting surprised that he does it. Donald says a lot of things. I mean, uh, that's the problem. I was surprised, and I'm here in Steeltown, and there was an element of surprise because we thought there was no way that this was going to happen, that somehow the rest of the American government would rein Donald Trump in. And I know that sounds crazy in hindsight. You know, the idea here that, and Trudeau's getting applauded for it, that now he's growing up, he's getting tough with Trump. So he's going to go on the American cable news shows, he's going to go meet the press, he's going to send his people. And this is what Trump pays attention to, how he looks in the American press. So this is like, they're going to exert like kind of some sort of soft PR influence on him by playing this like, we thought we were your friends. And that's going to make, like, you got to go on like Fox and Friends and make him look bad if you actually want to play that card. I just feel like... I don't know anything about trade, about NAFTA, but I, I know a little bit about poker, Joey, and I know what it means to be a bully at the poker table. Like when you've got the towering big stack, you don't have to be a very good poker player if you're willing to be erratic and aggressive all the time. Every time you get into any kind of a hand, you let it be known that your opponent is going to have to risk everything in front of them if they want to challenge you and throw enough chaos into your game that they don't know when you're going to do that, and you've got everybody on their back heels. And the first thing that happens is that you've broken decorum and etiquette, and people are like, oh, you're ruining the game. Stop being such a big bully. So that's what's playing out here. And the second thing is there's only one way to stop a bully like that, which is to call them on it. You, like, you've got to be willing to actually go toe-to-toe, and, and usually one or two people, you got to have a strong hand and a bit of luck. But as soon as the bully gets smacked back once and loses a good chunk of their stack, that's it. The aggression's gone. Uh, I don't know if that analogy is at all applicable or useful here, but I thought I'd share it. Well, I I really hope that the Republican Congress reigns them in, but I think that the Republican Congress is so afraid of the midterms right now that they don't want to do anything until after the midterm elections, which leaves us in a situation of waiting it out because I don't know what leverage we as Canada have that wouldn't harm ourselves even further. I do want to note that the New York Times did an excellent piece where they came into Hamilton and they spoke to Hamiltonians about the steel industry, about how they feel about the trade war, and gave a really good, they've done really good coverage on both sides of the border looking at this issue, and I found it very informative. And Joey, you were saying before, like, it's not just uh, Justin Trudeau and Christian Freeland, like, Hamiltonians were surprised too, like, that same thing of, like, sure, he's threatening it, but you didn't think he'd actually do it. You think that's an accurate, like, reflection of the mood there? Like, I mean, it's so stupid and self-defeating, and it's against American interests that the general impression was that this was never going to happen? That's it. I mean, if you live in this area and you see the Highway 401 and you realize just how integrated trade is and the border. People here, we go over the border, like most Canadians that live near the border, we go over the border all the time. You don't even think about it. I have friends that like going to Buffalo on Friday night for drinks and then come back. Yeah, I mean, I think we've taken solace in the idea that it'll hurt them as much as it'll hurt us. But that's not really true. Like, it'll hurt them a lot, but not as much as it'll hurt us. And, you know, you can say what you want about it, but, like, that is the logic to the game he's playing. And I, I think it uh, it definitely has, has given him a strong position from which to get concessions or to launch the world into an extended recession or depression, while perhaps simultaneously launching us into nuclear war overseas, but et cetera, et cetera. My neighborhood association, we're going to do a screening of Canadian bacon uh, next weekend. And I don't know if it'll be as funny now that it actually seems possibly real. But, you know, it's sort of interesting that that used to always be the joke of, we'll do an absurd movie about Canada and the U.S. 
going to war, and now we actually have a trade war. It's just so hard to believe. Andrew Mitrovica, who is always appalled and outraged in every editorial he writes these days for Al Jazeera, career investigative journalist and, and journalism instructor, Andrew Mitrovica, who's been on this show before. This time, I feel like his outrage is certainly warranted, and he has done for uh, an Al Jazeera column a pretty good assessment of how the media, both the New York Times, uh, you said nice things, I'll say something a little critical, and the Canadian media have just been Oh, just so encouraging and complimentary of Trudeau's conciliatory stance towards Trump. Don't poke the bear, you know, fluff him, do this female entrepreneur project with him, make him look good, give him some of your Justin Trudeau glow, and you'll stay out of his sights. You'll stay out of his sights. You'll keep Canada. He's got bigger fish to fry. And the whole time that that strategy has been in play, we have just been encouraging him and patting him on the back for it. So what now? Like, what is the media response now? Is there any kind of like accountability or recognition that like, you know, he got that wrong and we got that wrong too? You know, are we going to see kind of like a countervailing pressure uh, to toughen up and to push back? And maybe what do you do when the bully at the table uh, puts you in out of your depth? You got to either fold or you got to raise them. You got to push back hard. Well, if anything, it'll encourage Canada to continue diversifying our trade routes and it may bring Canada closer to the European Union. And I consider that to be a good thing for us, though we do need to figure out how to rebuild our trading relationship with the U.S. Joey, it is always a pleasure having you on the show, and that is your Canada Land Shortcuts for this week. Thank you for being here for it. Thank you for having me. I can be reached at jesse at canadalandshow.com if you got email for me, which I will read, and we're on Twitter at CanadaLand. But once again, Joey Coleman, you are crowdfunding right now, and people can help you out with that. Where? Thepublicrecord.ca. Click the press club and sign up today. Our website, where that article I mentioned earlier is published, is canadalandshow.com. And by the way, there are hundreds and hundreds of free podcasts on that website as well that you can listen to. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. This episode is produced by David Crosby. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. And if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm.